0: Episode 232 of the Bevan James Isle Show, an interview with Clive Ormrod. Welcome along to episode 232 of the Bevan James I'll Show, the fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Today I've got a really cool interview, a cool interview with a man by the name of Carl, not Carl, it's Clive, Clive is the CEO of Liz Mills, Um, I've been coaching him for the last couple of years as an athlete, he did the Taraboo 100 race, he just completed an Ironman and absolutely smacked it out of the park, Um, and he's just a real high level person, you know, he's he's about my age, he's a CEO, uh, you know, pretty good athlete, and just someone who I love speaking to, like when you coach someone, you can going to often end up catching up with them a bit. And uh, Clive and I have had some really good conversations over the last couple of years. And I just think his philosophy on approaches to life and some of those types of things uh, was pretty cool. So I wanted to get on the show just to kind of have a, have a chat and you basically just listen to a high level person and kind of talk about how they approach things and obviously CEO so it's working for other people how to bring the best out of himself how to work as an athlete and just some really good stuff in there so that's going to be coming up really soon before I do get into the main gist of the show or the interview of Clive I just want to talk about one thing that I experienced recently so if you've been listening to the show for a long period of time you know i having this band experience in my life I had a lady at the gym come up to me recently and. uh I told her, you know, because I in my classes I talk about the band and you know the albums coming out and all the rest of it. And this lady like, goes, Are you really in a band? I go, Yeah, she goes, That's what you do as a teenager. <laughs> and I thought, well, you're probably right, but I'm not the most mature person. But on Saturday night, I just think this is a really important thing around growth. The thing to always remember about growth is it's you you look to stretch, sit and then stretch again. And what do I mean by that? Well, uh, uh, my live performances a year ago. I was absolute crap, absolute crap. And then we've done more and more live performances and I've got a lot of growth to go in front of me, but I'm definitely a lot better live performer. But on Saturday night, because our album's coming out soon, I haven't pushed people coming to watch us play. And because to me, I just think, You enjoy live music when you know the music and so i knew the album was close and so i haven't really told anyone to come along because we haven't had a product to give people to listen to even though we have had songs for them to listen to um we had songs we haven't recorded them yet so um, up until this point in time i've probably played live about 14 times and in that time i've definitely progressed and i'm definitely a lot better still get really nervous still a little bit kind of in a place where it's you know i've still I'm still kind of at that beginner stage of my journey. Well, the album's about six weeks away, and we've pretty much, the recording's about 90% of the way done. So last Saturday, we had a gig at one of the venues, which is a bigger venue for live bands in Christchurch, and it's the first time I asked some friends to come along. So I asked about three groups of friends, say if they want to come along. They all said yes, we went out for dinner first, and it was the first time performing in front of people that I knew. Now this is another stretch moment because for me when I first got up on stage it was a real stretch and then after a while I've gotten used to just performing in front of others still and each time I, I, I perform then I do an assessment see about where I can grow next time and look to grow for that next experience so I've got that real process that's helping me grow as I move forward but playing in front of people you know you know what it's like if you had to perform in front of people you know you're often way more self-aware and so Saturday night came along, we walk into the bar, and I thought because it's COVID times, it'd be pretty quiet. Well, the bar was pretty packed. My friends are there, and I had to kind of go to my next stretch in my journey, performing in front of people I know in a way that – and also, actually, when we turned up, so I had all my, my, you know, about three groups of friends here, and one of the guys we go camping with, is a guy called Blair Norden, who's a, one of the most loveliest people you'd ever meet. And Blair is this really nice guy, but he's also really—he's a real music lover. And like, and he loves quality music. Like he likes really amazing musicians doing their craft. And um, he was there watching the band before us. The band before us were a cover band and they were very good. And apparently the guitarist in the cover band is one of Christchurch's top guitarists. So A, the band before us were amazing. And Blair, a guy who loves music and loves real high quality, was there to watch this guy. So it kind of created a bit more pressure for me. Now. I'm nowhere near the level of that guitarist, so, but, you know, so you can kind of see in myself, there's this doubtful place that I'm going to be in, you know, what if you step up in front of your friends, Blair's here, you know, you know, you're always a little bit nervous when you start, and I got up, and I'm proud to say that I had the best performance I've done so far, now. Is it the best performance of all time? By no means. There's plenty of growth. After the fact that when I do my reflection, there's definitely work-ons for the next time. But first of all, I wasn't as nervous as I felt I was would have been. Like, I I remember we went out for dinner first, and I'm, I was getting nervous when I went out for dinner. And then when we got in the room, I did two things. A, I did the third-person commentary voice that I've been talking about in the podcast recently. It works, guys. Use it. And then B. I just trusted myself. I got up on stage, started playing, and normally what I've found up to this point in time, first three songs, I'm as nervous as crap. And I tend to make mistakes, like I tend to play a little bit fast, I tend to make little errors, and it's it's not that I don't know the songs, it's just the nerves overwhelm me. But this time, I got up, I was probably a little bit nervous for the first kind of 40 seconds of the first song, and then from there, I went on to play the best that I've played so far. And why is this, why am I sharing this with you today? Well. A growth journey needs these moments. This was my next stretch moment. My next stretch moment was to play in front of people that I know in a kind of higher pressure place. Now the nice thing for me this time was I responded in the best way possible. I I, I performed at the level, probably the best level I've done so far. But even if I hadn't, it was still an important thing to go through. And actually when we look at the interview, in the interview you're going to hear really soon, Clive's all about this, Clive's all about the learnings in the stretch, the learnings in the stretch, and I think of myself as a musician, like, you know, I want to be someone who performs in front of people for a long time in front of me, and I want to be a great live performer, like, I don't just want to be someone who's okay, I want to be great, and am I great right now, I am far from great, far, far from great, But the only way I'm ever going to become great is to be able to face those stretch moments. And to me, there's two things that come with that. First of all, you've got to put yourself in the stretch. You've got to... And again, you listen to this interview coming up. You're going to love it because it's all about that. But you've got to put yourself in the stretch. Then secondly... In the stretch, you've got to learn how to deal with the this, this stretch. You've got to deal with that moment. You know, like even knowing to use that chatter technique, the third person commentator's voice. Like I remember I went into the green room. The little It's a really small room next to the stage. And I went in there and I was there by myself and there's a bit of a mirror there. I look in the mirror and I'm feeling those nerves. I thought, what technique helps me through this? And okay, well, let's try this third person thing. Try the third person thing. Suddenly, I was in a challenge mindset. I was in a better place. And then I go down on stage and I was learning to deal with it. And also, after the fact, I did post-reflection. So now when I look to my next session, I know what the things are that I'm going to work on moving forward. Now, in my future, I think I'm going to be a really good life musician. And it's not me being arrogant. It's not me being cocky. It's me understanding that if I'm willing to create the stretch, if I'm willing to do the work, if I'm wanting to self-assess and find good strategies and tools, I will keep growing, and I will get to the point where I'm a really good life performer. And to me, honestly, I want to—you know—I want to perform in front of people for the rest of my life. I, performing is important to me. It's something I love doing. I love expressing myself. Um, and as I get later in my fitness years, music will be how I do that. But it's that journey, that, that trust, in that process. It's that trust and put yourself in the stretch be uncomfortable, find strategies and tools, reflect, learn, look for the next stretch, that I guarantee that if I can do that, I'm going to get to the place I want to be in. Am I there now? No. But am I better than what I was a year ago? I'm a hundred times better than what I was a year ago. And so in any area of your life where you want to develop yourself, this is what you've got to do. You've You've got to put yourself in stretch moments. You've got to learn to Manage those stress moments. you learn how to win those stress moments. And then you've got to self-assess and, and think about how do I keep progressing forward. Growth is an amazing thing. Growth can be really quick. You can make massive, massive progress in growth really, really quickly. And if you're willing to be the person who who takes those risks, who learns to be uncomfortable and again, listen to Clive. Clive's awesome on this stuff. Um you will become the person you want to be. Like, I am going to be a live performer. And again, it's not me being cocky, but I guarantee if I can keep my process up, I'll get there. And that's what this is all about. Building your confidence by creating experiences that grow you often in your life. So just something to think about. I just want to share that with you. Obviously, that's something that's pretty, you know, it's obviously very topical to me right now, but at the same time, I just think it's a really cool message that you hopefully you can take something away from it. So let's talk about the patrons of the show. If you want to become a patron of the Bevan James Isles Show, go to www.bevanjamesisles.com. Go podcast, go support me, go through the Patreon process, and then you can become a patron of the show. Now, these people are patrons. They've got Lana, the King of Queen of Change, Kingy. We've got Wendy, Rockstar Schiffer. We've got Louise Kitchen Queen Crosby. We've got Ella Boom Boom Pal Green and Darren Dangerous Boussain. These people support me by giving some of their hard-earned money in my way each time I release the show. If you want to become a patron, again, go to bevanjamesos.com. podcast support me, go through the process. Anyway, I've got a great interview coming up with Clive, CEO of Les Mills. I think you're going to like this one. Okay, like I've got the CEO of Liz Mills here, he's also I've been training him as an athlete in the last couple of years and he's a bloody rockstar athlete. Welcome to the show, Clive, how are you?
1: Very good, thanks Bevan, and yourself? Where do I
0: start with you? Where do I start with you? Because there's so many kind of aspects to go down. So one thing I think we'll start with, let's just talk about your athletic journey. So for those who don't know, Clive has always been a high-level career person, but one thing that's also really important to him is his training. And why is your training important
1: to you? Oh, it just helps me clear my head. It helps me get focused, gives me clarity in what I'm doing. And if anything, it helps me show up great in life. Yeah. And I've sort of come to learn about that over the last probably 10 to 15 years in terms of the role that exercise can help play in giving me balance, clearing my head, giving me perspective and just helping me be a slightly better human.
0: Yeah, but but you know, like the goal you know, like so if you, if you don't know in the last couple of years I've been coaching Clive and they did the Terror 100, which is a massively challenging run. And then uh, recently he's just done an Ironman on a race day, he wasn't allowed to do the Ironman so he basically did a i Ironman and, and really smacked out an A goal and so the kind of goals you look for are pretty ambitious, challenging goals which for everyday people in everyday life would be hard to fit in but again, you're a CEO of a business you know. so how do you manage that? Because yeah, the everything they'll give you praise to which people don't know is that you're very good at applying the program so why are you so good at that?
1: Sticking to the plan is what I try and pride myself on. You know, if I think about executing the plan is what I try and keep my focus on. So when you gave me or when you gave me my weekly training blocks, for me, it was then just about getting it done and doing it. And I knew that if I trusted in you, I followed the plan, did the work, then the result and the outcome would come. And I guess that's really been the journey for me around life and also work is following the plan, putting in the work and aiming big and trusting yourself that you can get there. So to answer your question about why big ambitious goals, I know I think it's got to make you feel uncomfortable and it's got to be big enough to really make sure that you've got to be intentional and focus on it. And I'd also done some other type activity like I'd done an Ironman 10 years ago I'd done a marathon, multiple marathons, and this just felt like a natural evolution. Maybe it was too ambitious, and I'm not sure I'd be going there again in the near term. But uh, the ultra marathon just felt like an evolution from, I did the Queenstown Marathon the year before, and it just felt like the next step. And then the Ironman came about because I'd done one 10 years ago. And... Being stuck in New Zealand and not having to travel with work gave me a little bit more time and I wanted to beat my goal from 10 years ago. So that was really how that one came around. So probably nothing more scientific than that.
0: So so one thing that makes you successful as an athlete is this kind of, you put the right people around you, who you trust in the advice they give you in their plan. Then you kind of have this fundamental inner trust of, If I follow this, I'll get to where I want to go to on a day-to-day way. Because one thing I've given you lots of praise on is this kind of ability, because I often talk about different types of athletes, the person who's just trying to learn to be consistent just to get out the door. And then you get to the higher level, which I would put you in. And that's the ability to not just get out the door, but also hit the objectives of today's sessions. And, you know, in a program, there are easier days, but there's a lot of sessions which are very challenging. And when we think of the fatigue factor, when we think of strategies, what strategies do you use on a day-to-day basis to actually make sure you can hit the harder, higher level stuff?
1: Yeah, mentally, I just prepare for them. So if I know that I've got a big session tomorrow, then I'll prepare for it the day before, at least mindset wise, getting the right mindset to be ready for it or to get up for it. So I'd visualize what that session's going to look and feel like, and I'd visualize what I would hopefully feel like at the end of it when I've got it done. You know, knowing what success looks like, having achieved those outcomes or objectives in your words. And I prepare for that. So I don't just turn up and get on the bike. For example, if I've got a big training session and mud- mud- muddle my way through it, I'd be very intentional about preparing for it and visualizing it in advance. And That's a big part about whether it's training or whether it's work or life. You know, if I've got a big presentation to do or something coming up, I'd prepare for it and I'd put a lot of effort into it in advance to help ensure that that outcome was as good as it could be. So there's similar strategies across all of them. And I've always found that preparation being something that's helped me and has helped me get closer to the outcomes and the objectives I want. And I try and take that same into my training.
0: Mm, And it seems like you have an everyday approach with that preparation.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, you know, yeah, it's you know, intentional. It's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just... intentional. I, I get told quite often I can be overly intentional oh, really? and sometimes too intense. Yeah, definitely in terms of I can be too intense because I am intentional about most things that I therefore try and do. So, you know, it comes it comes both ways in terms of good and not so good. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm intentional about the outcomes I'd like to achieve and putting myself in the best position to achieve them.
0: And what about in the moment, you know, like in those moments where, you know, we think of the Man, you did it. So, so, so I, Clive came to me about a year ago. He knew he wasn't be traveling much. He knew he would to do an Ironman. He'd done nine about 10 years ago, nine, 11, 19, wasn't it? I think it
1: was 11, 19. Yeah. yeah. Was my and he time. said, I
0: want to get under, I want to, if I'm going to do this, I've got to get under 11 hours, you know, and, and he, and the thing about Clive's story is he hadn't been doing triathlons since that moment. So it wasn't like he'd been doing 10 years of building, and he was beat this goal. It was very much starting, kind of starting from scratch again, really, with at least with the swimming and the biking. Um, and you smashed it, you kind of got, what was it 1048, wasn't it? 1048, yeah. 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 So, you know, massive A-day, which is, you know, what you want for your athletes. But, you know, so there's this kind of preparation. But in the moment when you're hit with struggle, what gets you through that moment?
1: Yeah, and I had the I had, I guess, those moments of self-doubt over those 10 hours and 48. And I think it's just trusting in the fact that you've done the work. Yeah. Okay. So I've become a lot better at that. And therefore that's why the preparation is so key for me in advance preparing so that I can then trust in the fact that I've done the work. Yeah. So it's that, that would be one strategy, trust in the fact that you've done the work and back yourself and then also be okay. When things go wrong. And, and you've taught me a lot about that, whether that be in the ultra marathon You know, if you're running for 14 hours, you know, there's going to be some tough times or in the Ironman, if you're exercising and doing an event for 11 hours, you know, there's going to be some tough times, whether that be physically, you just don't feel great or something mechanically on the bike goes wrong. And it's actually just been comfortable. It's been comfortable to deal with that issue that comes up. So just a lot more trust in the process, trust in the work in advance, and then expect some of those curveballs that come up. And when they then come up, you can deal with them a lot more calmly and intentionally than maybe I might have done a few years ago.
0: You know, trust seems to be a massive word that comes through from you and it seems like you have trust and it's this kind of this process that allows you to build trust within yourself. Was there a time in your life where you didn't have trust?
1: Oh, I, 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 I still struggle with self doubt and I still struggle with not trusting myself on a regular basis. So it's a it's a battle, you know. Trust in the process. Trust I've done the work. Trust I'll be okay. And then second guessing myself, actually, will I be okay? So that's a constant battle, mm. and and has been, and I think will continue to be for some time. So, but I definitely over the years I've become more confident in trusting my ability,
0: mm.
1: and and I think that's come from being able to show results for it. Um, experiences, different life experiences, whether that be professional or personal, that trust comes through doing and through putting yourself in situations. And that's a big part about why I like these big endurance events, because they show to me too just what you're capable of or what you can get done physically and mentally. And on these bigger endurance events, the mental component of it is probably one of the biggest and hardest Pieces, because physically you can prepare. Mentally, then you just got to trust yourself and get your mind in the right space. So that's come over time, but it definitely isn't something that I feel like I've mastered.
0: You know, you're, you're, you're obviously very ambitious in your career. Well, I suppose a really good question to ask her here is, why do you think you're so ambitious? You
1: know, you, you well, have, you're,
0: you're a... about the same age as me. You know, you're a CEO. You're a pretty young CEO. Um, you know, like
1: or I'm not sure it's about that, ambition. You know, for me, I just always want to get better. And I want to improve what I'm doing. And I talk about often wanting to steepen the learning curve. Yep. And if I can steepen the learning curve across all that I do and I can grow and learn and develop as an individual, then you're moving forward. So for me, it's always about learning more, putting myself in a position to steepen that learning curve. And I guess ambition is a component of it. Maybe it's around an outcome of me getting that stuff done. And it moves me to a different place, but it definitely isn't what I start with. I just want to keep learning and growing. And if I think about, you know, like what my personal purpose is, it's something that I focus on a lot and talk about a lot inwardly. It helps me steer some of my outward decisions and choices. It's around helping people fulfill their potential. And that's what I love about what I do is working alongside a team of people working alongside a business where we have to inspire all of those people around us to achieve the outcomes. And if the ambition, achieving the ambition comes from doing that, then that's success. But it definitely isn't what I start out necessarily to achieve.
0: So is that step learning curve has I meant you've looked for opportunities that
1: give you... That Always. Growth. Yeah, okay. Always. So I'm I, getting myself out of my comfort zone on a regular basis. You know, my my learning curve is at its steepest when I'm out of my comfort zone. I talk a lot about being at my best or trying to be clear about when am I at my best. And I know that it's early in the day. I've been for a run. I'm working on something big with a group of people that I really enjoy. And there's an expectation to perform. And those five and six things, if I can put myself in that environment on a regular basis, my learning curve is steep and I'm developing and growing as a result.
0: And also, it seems like what you're saying here is that you're very conscious of creating that environment.
1: Always. Yeah, really intentional around it. And I get bored if I don't. So I'm restless and I want to move on to something else. And so it is about trying to stay focused. And if I have a big goal or outcome that I'm looking to achieve, it helps me keep the focus for longer.
0: Because, you know, in some ways, you could say you're not alone, but definitely unique in that, because when we think of most people's lived experience, comfort is kind of the thing they stay in. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people out there who make not necessarily a bad life, but it's that kind of comfortable place. And it's almost like they're afraid to go into the uncomfortable place, you know? And, and so you've developed a life where you're, and I'm sure there is comfort in your life, don't get me wrong, but you are pushing to be in the uncomfortable place as often as possible, really.
1: And intentionally, because I know that that's when I'm at my best. And if I can push myself to be uncomfortable or put myself in an environment, I know that I'm learning. And if I look back on my life, the times when I've made the biggest shifts, when I've learned the most and therefore got the most out of it and had the most fun in terms of doing it, it's when I'm out of my comfort zone. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily feel like that at the time. But when you look back on it in hindsight, it's absolutely where I've, I've made the biggest shifts. I've learned the most. I've helped achieve some of the bigger outcomes for myself, for the team or for the business. And that, and from that perspective, then that feels really exciting.
0: Can I ask you, you get frustrated with people who don't have the same level.
1: No, not necessarily. I mean, I I try and set the bar high, but I think everyone has the potential to achieve great things. Mm. And quite often it's just about framing it or putting it in a way where people feel comfortable to do that. Mm. You know, I think you also on any team, you need people wanting to play into different roles. So everyone has a role to play. And therefore you can build the best group of people based on their skills and and when they're at their best so if everyone wants the same outcome, you might struggle. Whereas if you have people playing different roles as a result, I think that's where you can get some awesome outcomes.
0: You, you've, you and I have talked a lot. And one thing you talk about is, is you know, you're passionate about building great teams, um, you know, and, and it, it definitely, you know, like, uh, even as the answers you're coming through right now, it's, it's not really an ego thing. Like the ambition is not about, I want to be the guy at the top. It's that I want to have this impact in a way that's stretching me into people around me to be high level people, I suppose. Um, What is the key to make great teams? What what are you finding? What have you learned around that?
1: Well, I I guess a couple of things before I answer that question. Absolutely, it's about working with other people. That's where I get the most energy. Mm. So I get as much energy back from working with others as hopefully I put into that environment. And I'll come off a call like this or a team session where you're working with people on something big that you need to try and achieve. And I'll come out of it buzzing because it's been something we've collectively discussed. So I guess in terms of great teams, I think it's about setting a big ambition. It's about setting an ambitious bar. And then it's about creating an environment where people can be at their best. Mm. And I think that environment is different for different people. So it's about being in tune and understanding of what people need to be at their best. So it's building deep relationships, understanding what their drivers are, what their derailers might be, where their strengths are. And then trying to create an environment where collectively you can bring different people together to achieve that outcome.
0: Culture is a word that's often used kind of just, you know, companies have posters on the wall saying their culture, but they don't really live the culture. Um, What does culture mean to you and how do you make sure it's as most impactful as possible?
1: Yeah, I think culture for me is just what you see and feel when you scratch a little deeper. Mm. so it's just under the surface it's the unsaid things and ultimately it's how the place just operates the behaviors of a group of people a team or a business and the culture can be that piece that when you scratch a little bit deeper just gives you a flavor of the way people operate their behaviors their beliefs and how they ultimately show up and it's different in every environment and I think creating a culture is extremely hard. And it is very much about like-minded group of people wanting to achieve the same outcome. And for me, hopefully it lives in the space of wanting to create an environment of trust, confidence, empowerment. But I do think though that, you know, cultural, especially when you come into a business or a team where you're looking to change it or evolve it can be one of the harder things of any person's role to try and impact. And that's definitely over my years, if I look back, has been an area I've struggled with at different times because it doesn't come quickly. You've got to work hard at it and you need the entire team to buy into it.
0: And what is the key, you know, if you go into that and you kind of feel that resistance or at least there's going to be that moment of change you're trying to work towards and it is a kind of a lengthy process. How do you win that? How do you actually, what's the approach you take towards creating that?
1: I mean, I think similar to the other things we chatted around, whether it be performance in endurance events, but it's trusting the process It's working alongside other people, getting their input, understanding you don't have to have all the answers to it and trusting in others and bringing them into the process and giving yourself time. And I think sometimes some of the feedback that I get can be I want to go too fast or like I said earlier, I can be too intense. So trusting in time. I think time is always a really good healer for many things and it can be a really good barometer too in terms of give yourself and the team the time it's need that is needed hmm. to get to that place. Hmm. So yeah, and I've become a lot better at doing that, far more patient. Um, and you know, if I look back in my on my life and probably career, I was I was far less patient when I was younger and I right. want to go at things extremely fast and I'd get frustrated with myself and probably the team. Whereas now, while I still can come across intense and I understand it's an area of opportunity, it's still far more patient that we will get there and trusting in the process.
0: What do you think you need to learn right now? Not, not, not in some practical ways, but it's in the evolution of you, because you've kind of seen some interesting things here. This is kind of um, this growth of understanding around certain processes, which are about patients. Um, you know, like if, you, if we do that fast forward to five years from now,
1: what would, do you think? The things think- I'd love to feel more comfortable with, I'd love to be able to get out of my head more. Okay. You know, so I, uh, over-rationalizing things. Um, being too planned, so get out of my head more and being more comfortable to just be in the moment. Mm. So you've learned
0: to trust this process so much, but it's almost a bit too bound to it.
1: At times, yeah. So it's just being comfortable to go with the flow a lot more and being comfortable to put effort into the right things and then just get out of my head. And I still struggle with that. And that would be something I'd love to feel comfortable, more comfortable with into the future.
0: Mm. do Do you have any approaches to that?
1: Um, I think it's being intentional around it. It's like you don't have to be overly planned. You don't necessarily have to. You can you can put the work in at a ground level and then trust yourself. Or if you've done this before, give it less time. You've been here. You understand it. There'd be some learned behaviors and trust in them. If it's something brand new, maybe, sure, bring my process, bring the approach, be intentional around it. But at other times, just fall back onto the experience and the time I might have already invested. Hmm.
0: With um, you know, the last kind of 18 months, two years of COVID and, and, and the industry has been hit pretty hard. But, and sometimes, you know, like I think your approach was let's look at the opportunity within it. One thing I've, I've, I've really always admired about you is this kind of your ability to, no matter what the situation is, to have that challenge mindset that no matter what the situation is, there's, a, there's an opportunity.
1: Yeah, to embrace the challenge yeah. talk, and reframe talk it. it. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I, I believe attitude's a choice. And that you choose how you want to show up so we're going to be presented with challenges all day every day and for me if i can reframe those and if i can see that as an opportunity for me it's easier to approach it and i found i can be more successful in achieving it or turning it around or actually getting a positive outcome so you know i try and be a radical optimist around most things it's good to have partners or peers that help you then see the black cap side of things and to make sure that you get that balance. Cause I can miss that. But my mindset is we can achieve anything. It might be hard until you get it done. And attitude is absolutely a choice. And if you show up with the right attitude, you're more likely to get a positive outcome. That's been proven to me through my life for me, might not necessarily be the case for everyone, but for me, that's very much how I've tried to approach it. And, that's how I'll continue to just based on what served me and helped me achieve some of the big goals and ambitions I've set.
0: And is that a subconscious thing or is that something you actually, you know, in certain situations go, what's the attitude I'm going to take into this moment or is it subconscious?
1: I think it's foundational. Yeah. Okay. Um, Definitely subconscious. I, I sort of try and reframe things from challenge to opportunity and it helps me look at it different. And I guess it's also just, you accept the challenge and you look more to, therefore, what can I do with it? So it has more movement in it, it's less backward looking and it's more forward looking and is, is grounded in how do I change the situation?
0: I, I have this fundamental belief that, you know, sure there's a certain level of people who, you know, maybe struggle with intelligence, but I kind of think most of us are pretty intelligent. Um, and it's that if you put the right framing around something, everyone can find solutions, you know what I mean? And that's kind of what you're saying there, isn't it? It's that, well, we're, we're faced with a wall right now, but it's actually an opportunity to learn how to climb the wall. Definitely. you know? And, yeah. and if we put our thinking to kept together, we'll find the answer.
1: And it goes back to how I answered that question from you earlier on building a team or shaping mm-hmm. a group of people to get a great outcome. It's, you know, everyone has their potential that they'll bring to something. And if you can create some framing around it to help create the best environment for them mm-hmm. to be at mm-hmm. their best, you're more likely to get a positive result.
0: The industry is an interesting thing, you know, so for those who don't know much about these bills, it's pretty much one of the biggest fitness companies in the world for fitness providers. Um, What what, what do you see? Because it's such a changing industry, isn't it? It's a bit like a science based industry really, isn't it? It's just always moving forward. What, 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 What do you see is happening in the industry right now? What do you see moving in the future? What are some of the problems in the industry?
1: It's definitely, it's changing extremely fast. And I think the last 30 months with COVID has helped accelerate a lot of that, especially in the digital fitness space. Mm-hmm. You know, what we see is that live is always going to be such a critical part of our business. And we're going to do all we can to continue to grow that and make that strong. And we know customers, consumers now want a hybrid fitness experience. So they want to be able to work out live and they also want to work out digitally away from their gym in other environments. And we want to be great at both of those. We want to be an environment and a business that helps give you the tools and the experiences to be no matter where you are and how you're working out, that you can do great things and achieve your goals with Les Mills. So we are, we're committed to that. We believe that's definitely a core, competency of ours and we think digital is going to help make the live more accessible but more importantly to get more people into life-changing fitness experiences and if you can simplify it back to that that's where we think we can win so yeah competition will continue to be massive new people will come and enter there'll be new innovations we're a business that's always stood for innovation too and we're going to continue to innovate And some of that is innovating to get our products to market quicker. And some of it is innovating to bring new products to market. And we're going to do both. And that's how we've always defined ourselves over the years. So we see ourselves as being that platform, that partner that provides a fitness experience across a range of channels. And we think we can do those range of channels better than most other people out there. And we will innovate to continue to bring great products to market to allow us to do that better than we did yesterday. So we definitely don't want to get stuck on what we've done over the last 40 years. We understand that's a platform to what the next 40 need to look like. And we want to be that business that is creating life-changing future fitness experiences. And our venture into VR most recently is a dabble into that space. You know, we have the opportunity to continue to accelerate not just the live experience and environment, but also Les Mills Plus with our digital fitness experience. And like I said, we want to be great at both. What what do you think actually creates a life changing fitness experience? I think just something that makes you feel better than you would have felt otherwise. You come out of that and you just feel great. I mean, that's what I love about sport and fitness is the endorphins that are wrapped around it, how it helps you feel better as a human. You can come out of doing an RPM class or a pump class or a Les Mills plus experience, and you can just feel so good as a result that you can take on that day and achieve things that you wouldn't otherwise have been able to do. And I think that's what it is. You know, life changing is at a, at a basic level, helps you in your life. And on a massive level might be a Liz Mills live event in London that helps you and thousands of people around you just go to that next level. So that's the opportunities we're presented with every day. Um, you know, you, you worked at
0: Nike for a long time before this. Yeah. So you've obviously, and I, I think you worked at Spark for a period as well, but did, was yep. the ambition always to be in the fitness industry?
1: No, I worked for Nike for eight years and, you know, it just was awesome being in and around sport and athletes and a business like that was such a big ambition was inspiring and, and I just learned so much through that time and when we came back to New Zealand, my wife and I, we had two young kids at the time and we wanted to come back and be closer to family and I wanted three things in a job I wanted to be able to work for a New Zealand business. I wanted to be able to go into a business that was going through change was number two. And then the third one was I wanted an opportunity to help shape and create a team, a culture. And I joined Spark because all three of those felt amazing. And I was there for three years. And the reason I then joined Les Mills was to get back into something intentionally that was closer to my purpose. Yeah. You know, Being at Nike, I knew what it was like to be in and around sport. And fitness is a big part of my life. Like we've talked at the start of this, it just helps me feel better. And I know it helps me achieve better things as a result. So I joined Les Mills to be closer to my purpose in terms of something that really fulfills me and helps me be a better human. And um, that's why I joined coming up four years ago now.
0: You know, like I'm kind of thinking of the young person right now, you know, the young career person, because one thing is you are someone who's focused on a career. You know, it's a career is an important part of your mission. Um, And you're squinting. Do you not agree?
1: No, I agree. No, I I totally agree. I think though, career and life, they become so blurred, Mm. you know, and I think that you've you've got only so much energy to be able to put into these things that at some point it's just the fuel you've got is the fuel you've got and you then choose how you want to apply it. So, Mm. yeah, career is a big part of my life because it helps give me that energy and drive. But being a great dad and being a great husband has become more and more important too and finding that right, balance between them is important and making the right work-life choices is something I've tried to be more intentional about. Is it hard? It's been hard, but I think it's become, it's become easier as I've, as I've really understood that, you know, it's not one or the other, but you need to make sure you put the right energy across both because when I do that, well, I'm just a better human as a result.
0: Yeah. 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 And it, you know, I've worked with people of similar level to you, but have neglected family um, and there's a cost you know, there's quite a high cost in, in many ways, you know, um, even just the guilt of, you know, of neglecting an important area of your life.
1: Totally. And, and and it's not, you know, doing a big endurance event as well doesn't necessarily help because it puts no, a no, lot more no, pressure no. in the system. And it definitely <laughs> yeah. did, you know, my wife, jara and I talked about it a lot over the last few months of how much additional pressure it put in and it's extremely selfish. And then trying to balance that with, it also helps me feel better in myself and show up well for work and for life and make better choices as a result. So it's just trying to walk that line.
0: Yeah, it is, it is a line, isn't it? Um, so if someone's listening to this and a young career person, you know, early 20s or coming out of uni or heading into yeah. uni, what would be your advice around, you know, being someone like yourself who is, you know, lofty in career ambition, um, what, what would be your advice to someone like that?
1: Steep in the learning curve you know, chase things that get you out of your comfort zone and put you into situations that you have to learn through. And they might feel really uncomfortable initially, but you're going to get the most learning and development through it. And you're going to be able to therefore bet around yourself and go on to other things. So steepen the learning curve, actively seek out situations and environment that help you do that
0: you know what it's really interesting isn't it because you know it's that kind of what doesn't get taught at school that's basically should, like like basic budgeting come on like why, why isn't basic money management a, a school subject you know and and obviously I, i'm a big believer in that schooling should be talked about talking around stress management you know stuff like that but also the importance of understanding uncomfortable is a part of a well-lived life you know what i mean because that's really what you're going back to a lot isn't it it's that yeah I need to be uncomfortable to be the person I want to be, um, and it could be like me playing a piano, working on a hard piece. That I've got to stay in that uncomfortable place for fifteen minutes longer, not just kind of look for the way out. It's it's understanding that that's the moment you want to be living in as as, as much as you can,
1: as much as you can, and, and being intentional about wrapping yourself around situations that do that, or putting yourself in a position to do that. So. Yeah. And, and I think, again, being intentional about hunting them out, you know, so how do you steepen that learning curve on a regular basis? What, what do you need as a as a human to be able to do that? And what I found through those is I'll look back on those moments and that's where I've learned the most and definitely made the biggest shifts in my life. So I would um, absolutely recommend or encourage others to be doing the same.
0: What are, have what are, what are your biggest mentors taught you?
1: Uh, range of people you know like I had prior bosses um, in roles like there were some amazing people I worked for. What was the at lessons you,
0: you took away from them?
1: Um, ambition and thinking big yeah, you know, and that would have been individuals in a prior life also a business like Nike in terms of aiming and dreaming big and understanding that it might feel insurmountable initially but you can get there and you know, you don't, you don't get it done until it's done and then you look back on it and you can you can really feel proud about it. So that would be one. Um, never giving up, I think is, is something I, I've taken a lot from people that have been successful. So really applying yourself consistently, applying yourself. And, you know, we go back to the training conversation is applying myself to the training, being consistent with how I apply myself to the training over time gets you to a place where you can then trust in yourself to get it done. Um, and, and I think it's sort of like building that resilience that things are going to be tough or that tough times will come and being ready for it and then knowing that you can get through it probably those three things would be three consistent traits or behaviors that I've tried to make sure I stay close to because they've served me well
0: what about with your kids you know all parents have a philosophy of life um, how do you how do you install those you know what are the seven things you do if your kids to install these? yeah similar
1: to what we've just chatted about you know try new things um you don't have to be great at it give it a go mm-hmm. and you'll learn whether you like it or not i think it's a big one um not giving up on things you know, i think if you if you're going to give something a go give it a go make a call give it a go so kids talk quite a lot about or we talk a lot with the kids about you know, not giving up and always trying your best Cause I don't think you can ask for much else is just give it, give it your best shot, try new things, never give up and always try your best. And if you try your best over time, you'll learn to either like it or choose to know that you won't, and then you can move on to other things.
0: Mm, it is interesting, you know, just, with you know, like that, that movement thing with kids, you know, is that again, we go back to that, what I was talking about for education is that how do we teach kids, that understanding of actually the uncomfortable places, the place we want to be in, you know, like it's, it's that kind of same thing and, and teaching them yeah. those experiences. And I suppose reconnecting the experience to what the thing they're learning is a lot, what a parent can do, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. we oh, I've got two kids, um, Cooper, who's eight and Georgia is six. And, and Cooper will give anything a go. Yeah. And even if he knows he's not going to be good at it, he'll give it a go and he's happy to try anything. Mm-hmm. Georgia, on the other hand, could give anything a go and would probably be good at most things, but will only give it a go if she thinks she can nail it. Oh, really? So it's about encouraging her to just give things a go, you know, and understanding yeah. that, you know, f- from that will come some learning. And with Cooper, it's just continuing to encourage him to try different experiences, like he does.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is an interesting one, isn't it? It's kind of like that Carol Dweck thing, isn't it? Of not praising the result, praising the effort, you know. Yeah, like, just praise yeah, the
1: effort. Just try your best. You know? Yeah. So give things a go. Never give up, and uh, always do your best. And I think if we can encourage that, then they'll work out for themselves what they enjoy and what's going to be most important.
0: What has been your biggest challenge?
1: Um, In life, probably my biggest challenge. one I I think is like what I talked earlier is making the right work-life choices. You know, I think when I was younger, it was really easy just to apply myself to work. Mm. And as, you know, Dion and I have built a family and that's become far more important and an important part of me being at my best is really making sure that I make those choices better than I used to, being intentional around those. And I I still fall down on those on a regular basis. I definitely haven't cracked it. That would be one. I think the other one that I challenge with is just making sure I have fun while I'm doing it. Oh, really? You know, like, it's, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the moment and applying yourself to it and just going through the motions that I don't necessarily look back on the activity and go, she's actually enjoyed myself and had so much fun through it. Yeah. Like, if I use the Ironman as an example, like, I really said to myself, I want to make sure I enjoy the outcome when I get there, like, really enjoy it because you've worked for 48 weeks on this. So make sure you enjoy and have some fun. And I did feel like I did. I just trusted in the moment, went through the motions, and that was probably something I wouldn't have done a few years ago. So those two areas.
0: What was it like finishing the race? You know, like that yeah, was amazing. Yeah, tell us about
1: it. It was amazing. It was amazing because it had been 48 works, weeks of work, as you know. Um, you were a massive part of that. It was, I'd set myself a goal that really made me uncomfortable. You know, be- beating my time from ten years ago was was probably fine, but to go under eleven was definitely made things a little bit more uncomfortable. And I've been quite vocal about it, and I and I generally am because when I then say it outwardly or say it out loud, other people will hold me to account. Mm. So I do that intentionally. So it felt awesome to be able to do both of those—to beat my time from ten years ago, to go sub eleven hours—and. I felt really comfortable in doing it. You know, it was hard, but i done the work and I could enjoy that. And it just felt, it felt really awesome. And I was really proud and I was really proud to get it done and proud of everyone that came to support and help me because while it might be an individual event, it's definitely a team effort in terms of getting there. And especially given the event was canceled having a team of people around to help me achieve what we did, you know, whether that be my wife, Deanna or friends, Sam and Andrew, and a bunch of others that were down there with us to help bring it to life. Um, You know, Mike, who did it with me to, to help make sure that, you know, there was at least someone with me or Brendan who was alongside with a lot of the aid stations and some of that, like it took a lot of people. So it felt fantastic. And I was really humbled by the fact that there were so many people who had helped me achieve it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I asked you afterwards, what what did, the, what did the experience reinforce about your character traits? What, what, what was the answer there? that? I can't remember.
1: What did I say?
0: Yeah, I can't remember. What do you think it does?
1: Oh, I think it just would have been along the lines of what we talked around a few minutes ago, which was trusting in the process, you know, really backing yourself to do the work and then trusting in the process and then trusting in the going in the flow, you know, not overthinking it, getting out of the head. So it would have, would have been along the lines of those two or three things, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because like, one thing you, you know, even though you say you sometimes don't have trust in this doubt, and it's a human experience is that you've definitely developed this way to live a life which builds trust in yourself. Um, and a lot of people don't even have that start point of trust. And I think it's some really good lessons from you here And that, you know, focus on learning the process that builds trust, you know, like, because, you know, like I often say, you know, we live in a world where people say believe in yourself. And it's like yeah. well, that doesn't like that out of the air. You, know? yeah, like totally. you know, like it's you know, like yeah, you need to build these experiences and these skills and these traits. And and if you if you can constantly do the work and building those traits and skills, it's, then you have experiences up. that builds the trust, isn't it? And mm. um and then, you know, and then you can aim higher like you say you do, and then you build a higher level of trust, don't you?
1: And it works for you and it works for others, you know. So I think one is it's trust in myself, and as you said, two, it's people's trust in you. Yeah. And and I think they work together without a doubt. And, um, you know, it's it's definitely not to take them for granted because you can lose it quickly too. So mm-hmm. it's about how I see it, is constantly applying myself and doing the work to continue to be in the position where I can trust myself and hopefully others can trust me. Anyway, and was, Sorry, you go? No, you go. Oh, no, no you finished what you're saying. I was going to say, and it's also being okay at times to know you don't have the answer or, hey, I'm actually going to get this wrong or I've got it wrong. And being able to own that and making sure you're reasonably transparent around that, too, because I think that just helps show up that you're also human and you can get things and do get things wrong on a regular basis. But that's OK. I know
0: we're running out of time, but I've got two quick questions. One thing, you know, you know, if you listen to this interview, you you, you know, Clive's a high level achiever. He um, aims high, he puts the work and he looks for that growth curve. Um, but also you're a brilliant with people. You know like before I knew you in this relationship that we have nowadays first time I walked into Les Mills International you came up you introduced yourself every time I went there you're, you're, you're very good at people um why do you think that's so important to you
1: well for a couple of reasons one is it gives me great energy back and um, it's really is my purpose you know like it's what I get out of bed to do is to try and create an environment where people can achieve their dreams and achieve things that they might not have thought were possible so that gives me energy and I've become clear on that over the last 12 to 15 years. So therefore I apply myself to it and it helps me show up great and it helps give me energy to continue to show up great. So it's sort of, it, it hasn't happened by chance. I've worked on it and I've, and I've got clear on it over the years and therefore it's why I do it. So energy energy in and energy back is a key component of it. And it's definitely something I'll continue to do.
0: and also I just will say one thing because a lot of people read a book and do the thing um you know but the thing that's also really brilliant about you Clive is it's very clear you care and you're interested you know what I mean like it's not you know like a lot of people know that they should say the name and tap the shoulder and all that kind of crap that's you know relationship building techniques um but also with you there is this underlying coming I'm coming with care and curiosity about the other person which which well i don't know if people have told you but from my perspective watching you around people and my experience of you is it's it's really comes from the right place yeah thanks well. that.
1: yeah I, and, and because i care because i do you know like yeah. i really am interested and i do care yeah. and i have also found that when you care and when you deepen it you can actually understand people better yeah. and when you understand people better you can have the impact you want to have so it really comes from a, an area of genuinely wanting to be the best I can and helping people achieve their dreams. So you've got to care. It's just, it's part of that. You can't do one without the other. I do get feedback from time to time though, because if you think around, I want to move fast, I want to move on to the next thing that sometimes I just need to sit in a little bit more with people too, because I can be quite fast and I can move through things. And I think speed can create quite disingenuous moments at times. So it's just making sure that I'm not too fast and don't leave that feeling.
0: And lastly, I just think the thing to reinforce, and I think that this is very clear to anybody be listening to this, um, you work on your life. You know, like, and, and I think, you know, like I remember one time years ago, some guy came up to me and he goes to me, what is it with you, Bevan? You know, what is it? Why? And it was quite a complimentary thing because he's kind of saying it seems like I've got my life screwed together and, and, and I just turned around and I said, mate, I just, I just work on my life. You know, like I, I put yeah. time on working on my life. And everything you've talked about today is, as you, it's kind of come to an intent and purpose, doesn't
1: it? It does. Yeah. And people often say, like, why are you doing that, Iron Man? Or what are you training for? And it's like, you know, and I joke, and I say, I'm training for life. Yeah. And And I think it is about just working on your life and being really intentional around the things that you know are important to you and therefore help put you in a position to make the biggest impact. And that's ultimately what it's about. But, you know, I go back to those things we've talked around is just attitudes of choice. You can show up consistently, steepen your learning curve, gets you out of the comfort zone, helps you continue to grow and develop and the opportunities come your way. Mate,
0: there's a book there, I tell you. Once, once you retire, that book's coming out. Those, those are, well, you know, just
1: launched one, haven't you? So well, you know, I'm coming out about, about, sure about that... another,
0: nine weeks. About nine weeks from now, it's coming. Okay, so. about
1: to come out. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Awesome.
0: Hey, well, thank you for your time. Uh, do you, do when do people follow you? I know you're probably not oh, trying to
1: push anything big. But, I don't really. I mean, I've, I have, yeah, Instagram channel, but I really just do it to follow others. So yeah. um, I'm sure when people want to get to know me, they can. Get on these Mills Plus. Get on
0: these Mills Plus. It's Absolutely.
1: Awesome, Thanks for the time and good to chat. Awesome, mate. Thanks for you your later. time. See you.
0: As you can see, Clive's obviously just a high-level person, and it's just really cool to sit down with a high-level person and kind of understand the foundation of what drives them and their thinking and all the rest of it, and it's just, you know, some of the, those key points that Clive brings up, um, just a really great way to live your life, and, you know, and um, he's achieved a lot, and, you know, you think, well, what are we doing in the next part of his career, and it's like... Man, that's it's going to be pretty cool. So um, I hope you really, really enjoy that. He kind of, as you said, he's not really trying to push any promotional stuff because just follow Liz Mills or get involved in Liz Mills. And I encourage it as well because I'm a part of Liz Mills. So thank you, Clive, for coming on to the show. Uh, if you do want to kind of follow my work, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook and all the rest of it. Uh, I will be back in a couple of weeks. I want to say a big thank you to the patrons. If you're not a patron and you want to support me and what I do, just go to Bevan James Isles Podcast, click on Support Me, go through the process. The book is literally nine weeks away, so it's coming. So, and I said it last episode, I'm going to need your help, so just keep that in the back of your mind, I'm going to need your help. So, other than that, that's pretty much it for now. So, that's so done and dusted. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode of the Bevan James I'll Show. As always, keep being you.